Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Atlanta Foodcast. Well, we're wrapped on a week focused on cheese, and it all culminates right here. We had the opportunity to be a part of the Cheese Fest 2018, and it was such an honor to bring four incredible professionals on a stage and have a conversation around the industry of cheese and what makes the South such an amazing place for food and the impact that cheese has on the greater culinary world. And in this episode, you're going to hear from Tim Gaddis of In Demand Cheese, Robin Schick, one of the founders of Cali Road Creamery, David Goodson, a third-generation pecan farmer from Goodson Pecans, and podcast veteran Kevin Oots, founder of The Spotted Trotter. Each an absolute wealth of knowledge in their field, and they're all doing amazing things in the culinary world. So, here we go. Here's our conversation recorded live from the Cheese Fest 2018. Welcome to Cheese Fest 2018. Um, yeah, applause is great. Applause is awesome. And if you live in those apartments, I deeply apologize. Uh, but very excited um, for everybody to be here. And we're gonna actually gonna we're gonna kick some things off here before we get some music rolling. And um, my name is Ben Getz, and I'm the host of the Atlanta Foodcast. It's a food podcast here in Atlanta, and everything. Yeah. Kevin's a big fan, but we talk about everything with uh, local chefs, culinary entrepreneurs, and people who really make Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. And I am joined with uh, four amazing people here in the industry, and we're going to have a quick conversation um, really about everything cheese, but also what makes Atlanta and being in the South such an amazing place to eat. So um, I wanted to introduce everybody real quick, and I don't want to like completely botch everyone's amazing experience and background and everything. But uh, to my left, your right, uh, Mr. David Goodson from Goodson Pecans. Miss Robin Schick. <laughs> See, I, I, I have a fear of botching people's names as well. But Miss Robin Schick um, from Cali Road Creamery. Mr. Tim Gaddis right here from In Demand Cheese. And Mr. Kevin Oots from The Spotted Trotter. So all have footprints here in the South and also in Atlanta. Um, but really, really excited to bring you guys just a really fun conversation, just, uh, just about some fun things here in the South. So how's everybody doing? Mike's, Mike's on the, on the table. Doing good, Ben. Yeah. So it's, it's a good day for rain to pass and let's get this thing going. Indeed. Awesome. Well, eat Kevin, some cheese and eat some cheese. Yeah. So Kevin, you've got the mic. So, um, let's start out with just like being in the South and also here in Atlanta, like what makes being in the South and in Atlanta is such an amazing place to be an eater. I think uh, the opportunity to taste things that most folks up in the northern corridor or out in the west coast uh, typically aren't going to have an opportunity to taste. And we've dialed into our food community more than anything um, in this country. Uh, we're just a young, youthful nation at 242 years old. And there's so many things that we're just pressing upon um, the diners and the people that haven't really experienced food in the way that, that we're experiencing it now. And I think being in the south lends us a great deal of opportunity to taste through the South's terroir, what we do here in the South, and uh, it's just a wonderful time to be alive and be tasting and eating food in uh, in the U.S. Amen. I like that you use the word renaissance. Yes. That's a good word. It's good so, stuff. David, uh, same question to you. What what makes it such an amazing place to be an eater here in the South and also in Atlanta? I th uh, like, I'm not around Atlanta as much. Uh, get to come up here often now to do shows, festivals, and just connect with people. But it's been amazing seeing just a resurgence. You go Renaissance, I'm saying resurgence, but it's just been a huge change in the culture, even from me growing up. Um, 
to just Southern cooking even has changed. And I've, it's been amazing to be a part sort of on the cutting edge of seeing uh, people's palates change and looking for um, just diversity in their food. And, um, and so uh, I've, I've just loved being a part of that and, um, and seeing it. So it's really, really exciting times, I think, to be a food crafter um, and also just be, be an eater of food. Oh, let's see. What makes it wonderful to be an eater in Atlanta? Well, if you think about it, the history of Atlanta, we've been a crossroads for a long period of time. You've got a diversity of people here. Okay, you've got a diversity of people here from Buford Highway and all those restaurants, wonderful Asian restaurants up there, and our southern roots. I think what also is very interesting is that Atlanta's a great place to start a food business. You have all these individual artists and makers creating unique and a variety of foods. Um, it's a good place. Uh, Georgia is also very supportive. You know, the state of Georgia with the Georgia Grown Organization, super supportive organization for somebody who wants to start a food business. Um, I think that's a big part of it. It's an opportunity for doing that. Tim? Uh, really, just to reiterate what everyone's saying, just the diversity that's that's here in Atlanta and in the South and and Southern food is just a a, a unique um, a unique style of food that I think is very specific to the U.S. Um, just bringing all those different cultures together to make one specific food style and 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 then with cheese making you know cheese making is not historically part of of southern culture so you know it's a it's a new and budding business so to be a cheese maker or, or in the cheese business in the south is is something new and it's i think it's starting to get a lot of attention all over the nation yeah and i mean i think that's a that's a perfect segue into a question that you know i mean you guys like just take take the mic as you as you'd like to answer but you know especially like just around the the industry of being makers here in the south you know it's there's so many different industries you can choose and like you can kind of be on the fast track to starting a business and be successful but like taking the route of something that requires care and attention and you know really attention to detail and learning a craft you know is not the typical path especially like from generation to generation is as some um, some things get passed down like that's not the typical path for a lot of people when it comes to the business side of things so i mean i guess robin starting with you um, tell me a little bit about like you know what what it means to kind of like pioneer some of those things and like being you know in the field of being a maker in 2018 and also and beyond That's a very, very good question, yes, for a cheesemaker in the South. There are not a lot of resources here. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, it's not something that I purposefully chose to do 10 years ago. It was something that my sister and I fell into. Um, we decided that we wanted to do something agriculturally related. We loved animals. At one time, we thought we wanted to raise goats. We quickly realized maybe cheese, making cheese might be just a little bit easier. But um, I'm not so sure that was the case. Here in the South, there's not a lot of resources for learning about cheese making. We've had to rely a lot on experience. Um, but I think the more we dived into it, the more interesting it became, you know, taking one ingredient and making so many different styles of cheeses. Also, digging into ingenuity, um, you know, we make our own, own molds for molding cheeses, uh, you know, it's difficult to import a lot of things from um, Canada and uh, Europe. We have done some of that. 
but the journey of cheese making has been, you know, just a quite interesting path, uh, personally and professionally. It's a wonderful job taking care of a, a cheese and then bringing it to fruition, getting to taste it, and either being very successful or maybe not. <laughs> Tim, do you have a follow-up to that? Like just in, in terms of like really choosing the, the maker route? Uh, well, in my case, I mean, I didn't really choose the maker route, but like so many people in the cheese industry, it found me. You, know, you just kind of fall into it, you know, from from being in a in a culinary school and then starting to work in a in a cheese shop, and then you just kind of fall into the cheese business, mm-hmm. and and then fall into the role at Star Provisions and and hold down that cheese shop for for a good eleven years, uh, and I I hear that with so many people in the cheese industry that they just sort of, it found them. Um, but I do think we are getting more people, like I say, more people in the South that are choosing to, to go into the cheese making, cheese making and cheese industry because it's becoming more and more popular. <laughs> Choose cheese, we're hearing from everybody in the crowd. Yeah. Choose it. <laughs> I like that. I like that it shows you though. That's, a, that's definitely the romantic side of the story. Um, but David, I mean, I, I guess I want, you know, from, from your side as well, like, I mean, like this being something that's generational, like in your family, um, you know, like how has this been something where, I mean, it's, it's something that's being passed down and also like still being something that's absolutely tied like within the culinary industry and like greater food industry as a whole. That's a great question. Uh, I am, I'm a third generation pecan farmer. Uh, my dad and I farm about 225 acres of pecan trees. And um, we haven't always had our like food crafting side. My wife and I actually started that about nine years ago. I, and it happened from a conversation my dad and I had in the back of a truck. And I just said, Dad, people love your pecans. Like he would just sell them out the back door in shell, high quality. And I said, we need to get them online, like get them on the internet. And I talked about that for two years and finally stepped into it after talking so much. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And so... We started online, not only having shelled pecans, but started with different gourmet flavors. And about three years ago, I was just faced with, we were growing, but it was driving my family crazy because we just, we didn't know what to do. I was still trying to farm and do everything. And so I began to just, one night I went to a, a food workshop at the University of Georgia and they were, we were challenged to think about the one thing that we uh, if we were going to do and do well, like what it would be. And for me, I began that night just begin to think about like pecans and what it all could look like. And, and I landed on pecan butter. That was something that had been on my mind. And I said, you know what? We haven't seen a lot of pecan butter out there, um, but what if? And uh, we began to see almond butters and peanut butters, all different types in the grocery store. And so we started that venture three years ago, doing that and the gourmet flavors. And it's been a tremendous journey. Um, and so I have, I'm like Rob, and I've learned the hard way. I've made a lot of mistakes, but it's been a joy uh, to see some of the successes along the way. We had an opportunity to uh, be a part of Flavor of Georgia, and, and that's a huge thing that uh, both the University of Georgia and um, Georgia Grown does to just help support food crafters. And so we stepped into this and had a uh, tremendous success with it this year with our honey cinnamon pecan butter. But, yeah, it's been a journey learning um but that's been exciting because it's allowing us from a pecan farmer perspective we're diversifying what we're doing so we're not just relying on the farm now we're starting another branch to help help us domestically 
Yeah, it's super cool. And I just, I love that there's so many like dotted lines from different aspects of the culinary world that tie back to what you guys are doing from a farming perspective and in so many other fields as well. I mean, it's just really cool to see, but um, Kevin, and also in, with you guys in the Spotted Trotter, you know I mean? Like where you guys are working with something that starts on the farm and then turns into something for consumption. You know, uh, I mean, I've, I've been in and out of your operation many times and just seeing like what deft hands are needed to create this product, you know, and this being something that's so often paired with cheese, you know, um, sorry, that was really loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but talk to me a little bit about that. Like, you know, what, what was like the driving force in like, you know, really doing something that requires so much time, attention, detail, and skill. It's a, I'm trying to wrap my head around pecan butter. I can't get that off my brain. <laughs> But now, now that you said it, I know one of my first uh, target market will be when I is to have pecan butter, because we eat a heck of a lot of almond butter at my house, and we're doing that. Um, <laughs> ben, that's a great question, and I think it really has to come down to like the the age of growth in a business. Um, when we first opened, trying to coordinate um, having enough animals just in the state of Georgia. Um, at one time, Georgia used to be the largest pork supplier in the country. And we sat down after the first or second week we were open and said, we just need a thousand pounds of pork shoulder. And we called around all the supplies of what we thought could sustain us in Georgia and we were, it was unavailable. So f discovering, you know, the nuances of what it takes to take a, a product from a, a, a actually working and living on the farm um, and, and moving it to a product, it, it's not without its challenges. Um, so I have to say that, you know, for, for what we can do and being able to work in the growth that we've had in the last 10 years, um, it's, it's been, it's incredible to see the growth in the state of Georgia and in the Southeast to try to, you know, to, to get what we need. Um, but if, did that answer your question? hundred percent. Okay. You always answer my questions. <laughs> okay. There's never a time when you don't answer my questions. Nice. Yes. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I think it's, um, it's just amazing. I think for each of you guys, like in, in the creation or, the growth or the management or the ins like the inspiration or the influence side of what you guys are doing and have done in the industry here in Atlanta. Um, I mean, I, I look at that as just huge inspiration for people who might, might be inspired to, to follow something in, in the culinary world, something that does require craftsmanship. And that's not just to say like it's creating something for consumption because it's commodity, but to actually appreciate the, like the the maker side of what's required of that. The, the details. It's yes. all about the details. Hard work. And I think every person in yeah. here that's, whether the product's coming from Italy or somewhere in Denmark or right down the street in Sandy Springs, um, it's the, the devil Robin. is in the details. And you can't get away from that. As a food maker, mm -hmm. if you skip any of the minute details, mm -hmm. you could not only get in a lot of trouble or make someone very sick, but you also start to understand the craft of what you're making. And I think... Where we are today is is uh, a, just a testament to paying attention to every detail in, in everything we do. And our work truly as makers doesn't start until that person's at home and they open that package and say, let's get started and, and pig out. But, you know, that to me, we learned that over, you know, two or three years of watching a lot of mistakes happen. And I'm sure everybody sitting here can attest to that. But um, it, it, it has a lot to do with the details, I think. Yeah. Um, well, shifting gears and also bringing it home uh, for us here at the Cheese Fest. Uh, Tim, starting with you, um, I guess uh, in, in whatever way 
you'd like to answer this, but I guess the question, it's kind of a loaded one, but, um, you know, obviously focusing on cheese, like let's like just in, in your, in your words, like how would you define like how cheese is important from a culinary perspective here in Atlanta, but also just in a broad sense? I mean, cause I mean, I, I think for me, like it's taken me a long time to realize that cheese is not just like a part of an appetizer or, uh, just something that is like, you know, shoveling into my face because I'm, my brain is telling me that I'm craving it, but to actually take it to a level of appreciation, you know, like how, how, how would you define like that, that side of importance just in terms of cheese? Well, like to start with, you have to look at cheese, you know, to, to think of, of how important cheese is, is, is like, like charcuteries, like pickles and so many other fermented products. Cheese isn't just no one started out thinking I'm going to make I'm going to make this cheese that's going to be served at this fancy French restaurant. Uh, the you know a French farmer somewhere had this milk and well if I don't do something with this milk it's going to spoil and then my milk is wasted. So it's it's just a means of preservation. So that's I think that's first and foremost what made cheese important to to the world in general is it just preserving milk and being able to have that milk to be able to eat it for years to come. I mean, to the point where Parmigiano-Reggiano is used as currency in Italy now. Um, and now, just in the dining scene in Atlanta, cheese, cheese has become important in that it's, it's part of, it's part of your, your normal dining experience. You know, restaurants like Restaurant Eugene and Holman and & Finch have an extensive cheese list that's that's part of you go in and sit down at the bar and you order you order a cheese plate um Bacchanalia, of course has done a, a cheese cheese trolley that comes out to your table for years it's uh, pure magic thank you <laughs> tiny Lou's here at the new at the new um remodeled claremont is doing the same thing they have a nice little uh, cheese and dessert cart so it's you know, it starts out just being a means of preservation, but then it gets heightened and it becomes, you know, part of your overall dining experience. And plus, people, you find very few people that say, I don't like cheese. Most everyone loves cheese. And it's an instant picnic. You pick up some cheese, you pick up some charcuterie, you buy a glass of, buy a bottle of wine, you get some spiced pecans, and you, ha you have a picnic. You're done. You yeah. don't have to cook anything you don't have to repair anything all you need is a knife and a glass yeah that's a meal in my opinion there you go yeah so yeah um same question to you robin so i mean just like the really like where where the level of importance in terms of like cheese and like what it means to like the culinary world but especially like here in atlanta but also like a more broad focus i ask really deep questions on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Quite deep. Um, well, cheese has historical significance, obviously. It fed the poor. It fed Roman armies. Uh, it was a food that could be um, carried, you know, picnic anywhere. Um, you can't make fondue That's right. You can't make fondue without cheese. But I think Kraft actually said it long ago when they said cheese improves the flavor of life. Uh, there is an art to making cheese. And in so many different parts of the world, so many different things can be done to, to milk. And it's just amazing to me what level of creativity and flavor can be brought to a food in so many different ways. Uh, I think it just adds something to our lives. You know, they say cheese um, makes you happy. You know, it can be, addic you can be addicting. I mean, 
in a, in a good way. It's not a bad thing. Um, I can't say that a meal isn't good without it. I love cheese, but I'm a cheesemaker. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Yeah. But I do love cheese, and um, I think it's um, a wonderful food. It's just so interesting mm-hmm. uh, talking about the history and looking back at it. Season two of the Atlanta Foodcast is all about cheese addictions. I'm just kidding. But uh, Kevin, <laughs> I was going to say uh, Kevin. Just to add to that, like the, the, the compliment, you know, as, a, as, as chefs sort of scope their way into a dish and think about what is a component other than meat or vegetables or starch, grains, legumes, constantly on the broad spectrum of how to put a plate together. Um, there's so much just wealth of, um, I, I think it's another palette you can just pick from, you know, and I think um, when we're putting dishes together, you know, as a, as a dining community, being able to look at how can we impart and um, impregnate a dish with cheese Pun intended. See, I slid that in yep, there? Yep. <laughs> we'll all learn a lot more about Kevin in the coming weeks. Yeah, come on, <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh. Good answer. All you, right. Yeah, it's a great, great place to end. Let's get cheesy, Ben. I, yes, indeed, <laughs> we will. Uh, David, passing the mic to you, and then I'll bring us home with one last question. Wonderful. I, you guys have said it so well already. I, I think cheese is like, the glue of the culinary world, just holding everything together. I mean, I look at it from not just cheese alone, but I think how many things go like go into cheese and, and our cheese goes into it and it makes it unbelievable. And from my perspective with pecans, I mean, pecans pair so well with cheese. Um, and uh, well, I mean, we make, my mom makes an unbelievable cheese ball coated in pecans and they pair really well together and we even with our butters like we make a uh just like a cheesecake uh uh chocolate covered cheesecake ball that's got pecan butter in it and like it just i love seeing the diversity it can it can uh bring into into things and so yeah i think it does so much across the board to impact the culinary world it's tremendous Awesome. Well said to all of you. And so we're uh, we're going to bring it home here. And if anyone's ever listened to the Atlanta Foodcast, uh, every now and again, there are like some lightning round style questions, what I call on the fly. And you each just get one today. And uh, I think Robin's actually helped me refine this question just a little bit. But I want to know what cheese, for each of you, what cheese have you not tried, but you want to? Right? Is that right, Robin? Did I botch that? What is the cheese that you don't want to try? What's the question? Yes. Uh, um, the, one of the interview questions had, a, uh, I think, a typo in it. And uh, no? <laughs> sorry. It was. It was. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So I thought the question said, what cheese would you prefer not to try? Ah, even better. I like it. Okay. My preference would be not to try, but I'd like to see it. Kazoo. Marzu. Brief description. It's a French cheese that when it's made, it's laid out and the flies lay their eggs in it. And if the cheese does not have live maggots in it, it's not good. And you're supposed to eat this. Okay. Help me out here <laughs> because I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I don't want to try it. What, what country is that from? France. France. It's French. No, it's Sardinia. 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 Yeah, it's in Sardinia. Yeah, sorry about that. I saw a a National Geographic on that. 
Sounds sounds a yeah. I would I would have to keep that maybe after a few grappa sessions. Go eat some of that. Be like, all right, let's try it. It'd be the great. When them maggots roll around in your throat, that's what it's supposed to feel like. There's none of that here, though. Yeah, none of that here. Cheese I'd want to try would be uh, um, it's a, a yarg, um, Cornish yarg. Not a not try, but um, it's a, cl- a clapper for a yarg. Uh, it just sounds like a delicious, uh, lovely. I think one of the most cool things about cheese is just the history and where it was uh, where it was made and why it why it came to pass. I think you know the usefulness of uh, being able to preserve that milk. Um, and being able to look at it now and seeing the state of, of grace that's sort of passed by in time and saying that we're taking these peasant foods and turning them into this just very, you know, high-class unit is, uh, is, is, to me, just says a lot. But that, uh, that's not a cheese I don't want to try. As far as the cheese I don't want to try, I think you, you pretty much took the, took the prize on that one. It's a choose-your-own-adventure question. It's okay. <laughs> cheese that you want to try or cheese that you don't want to try. How about you, Tim? Give that one a shot. Uh, well, definitely the Kazu Marzu is not something that I am busting down the doors to get my hands on. Yeah, me neither, and I just learned about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot out there that I probably haven't tried. I've tried some pretty funky stuff and some... some I've tried a lot of cheese over the last 15 years. Uh, cheeses that I, I dream about and wish I could get my hands on still... Uh, would be a classic uh, Camembert de Normandy or a Brie de Meaux, uh, the unpasteurized French Blumey Rhines like that that we just can't get in the States or, um, you know, the, or just something special that is every, everyone should, should try. I, I, would, I would say that probably my favorite all-time cheese would be the, again, one that you can't get in the States would be the Reblochon from Savoie, mm-hmm. uh, a unpasteurized cow's milk cheese. Uh, you just... You can't get it, and so I, I dream about that on a, on a regular basis. Luckily, we have the Dancing Fern from Sequatchie Cove Creamery to fill that void, which is an unpasteurized cow's milk made in that style. Uh, but still, it's getting, getting your hands on a good Reblochon or, or Camembert de Normandy is something that I, um, that I dream about. Nice. David, last but not least, again, to choose your own adventure question. Well, I'm a, I'm a simple farmer. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you all for staying. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm going to defer to Robin on the one I would never try, um, for sure. But, uh, I, I have yet, you guys amaze me with the wealth of knowledge you have on the amount of the, the cheeses that are out there. So I don't even know how to answer that question because I've been very simple in my cheese life. So sharp, uh, is, is my preferred cheese and, uh, I've never had mascarpone cheese. I think for me, that's one I would love to try. We do a lot of cream cheese back home, but uh, some good mascarpone cheese. I've always watched it being cooked with, but one I've never had in any kind of dishes. Awesome. Well, uh, Mr. David Goodson, Ms. Robin Schick, Mr. Tim Gaddis, and Mr. Eric Kevin Oots, <laughs> thank you for joining us for our first live podcast here at Cheese Fest. Uh, and I have a, a little buddy of mine. This is my son. He's almost four. And he wants to say something. What are you going to say? Thanks for listening to the Land of Food Cat. And there you have it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <Awesome. laughs>
<laughs> Did you hear that at the end there? That's my almost four-year-old son, Lincoln, bringing the outro like a champ to the Atlanta Foodcast. I love you so much, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. And many, many thanks go out to our friends at Gourmet Foods International and the entire team behind making the Cheese Fest a possibility. It was a huge honor to be a sponsor and be involved on so many levels this year. And also, many thanks go out to David, Robin, Tim, and Kevin for joining us on our first live episode. And all of us love what you guys are doing, and we especially love you. So if you guys are listening to this and you want to support Gourmet Foods International or each of the amazing businesses represented on this episode, please check out our episode page on our website. Click on all those links, learn more, find out how you can support these these amazing businesses, and just please get out there and support local. And lastly, stay tuned because in the coming weeks, there's going to be a bit of news regarding season two. We're actually winding down our inaugural season here in just a few weeks, and we're going to be bringing some new things your way in 2019, and I can't wait to share some more details with you. But I especially can't wait to bring you guys more stories from local chefs, culinary entrepreneurs, and people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and also for Lincoln Getz, thanks for listening to the Atlanta Foodcast.